Hello friends, I'm Paul White, it's the DDP, and we are in Mark chapter 9. It's the 19th day of May. Thanks for joining me in our journey through the Gospel of Mark. May is rapidly ticking away. I can't believe, and I know you guys feel this way too. I was talking to someone the other day that said the same thing. Can't believe it's May. Where does all the time go? And here we are, right on the edge of the summer. It's going to be a very busy summer for all of us, I'm sure. I know it is for us. And just take a deep breath and get ready. Enjoy it, right? Enjoy while you have it. Um, But man, it is flying by. Before we know it, we'll be at the end of May and we'll be up on another essay edition. We'll do that on the 31st day of May. So we've got just about a week and a half. And at the current pace I'm on, we'll be somewhere in chapter 10. Uh, Hopefully, Um, I'd like to to, to get moving. I, I don't like going slowly, but I don't have a any sort of pacing either. Like you got to get to this point. So we just take our time and doing so we find ourselves in verse 42 of Mark 9. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Um, here's what we, here's what we know. We know that we've just had a story about who's great in the kingdom, and then Jesus brought a kid into the midst of the story and said, how you treat the lowest is your placement in the kingdom, at least in a roundabout way. We worked through that for days. Okay, I'll leave that there. That happened. Then the disciples told Jesus the story that they had seen another man casting out devils in Jesus' name and they forbade him. And Jesus said, don't do that. He's not against us. He's for us. Give him a cup of water in my name. Anybody gives a cup of water in my name, there's a blessing attached to that. Then this little but whoever causes one of these little ones. Okay, so that's what we know. Here's what we can guess at. We can guess, based upon the context, that Jesus is including the previous two categories of people in his statement about the little ones. For instance, whoever causes one of these little ones, one of these lowest totem pole people, one of these believers out here trying to do the right thing, one of these people that give a water in my name, Give a cup of water in my name. Whoever causes one of those to stumble, and he it's 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 closer to to fall into sin. You cause them to miss the mark. You trip them up somehow. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea, which is a pretty dramatic illustration. So again, what we know is that Jesus has been dealing with the marginalized, the kid, as we told you, life's little loser, the guy who's the the sectarian religious mindset pushes to the outside. And if those two kinds of people, who are similar kinds of people, by the way, are the ones that he's talking about in 42. Because I think in 42, we almost automatically assume he means kids. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble. But little ones, yes, could refer to the children. But it could refer to the insignificant. The, the guy that's on the outside. The guy that's over here doing his thing. And the mainstream won't accept him. That's, that's our guy from verse 38. 
to derail the faith of those. They are little, they have little worldly importance. They have little impact on your day-to-day life. To cause their faith to be derailed through what might be an inconsiderate, egotistical use of power. Jesus says, causes the most severe punishment. And, and, and what I mean is, he uses this drastic illustration. If you were to do this to one of those little ones that believe in me, it'd be better for you if a millstone had been hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. I mean, it would be better for you to have not crossed their path at all than to cross their path and make their journey worse. Don't get, because I, 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 I say these things and I know I'm preaching to me because I don't see your face. I just see mine, okay? I'm just talking into the air, into a microphone, but I know you're listening and I know it makes an impact. So I try to take my words seriously. But a lot of times I'm only speaking to you. You're not here giving me feedback, okay? So I'm, I'm speaking to you as if I'm you thinking of multitude of things. And I know that I have spent a lot of time getting lost in verses like this instead of just taking it for the extreme example that it is, I would create a narrative of God that might put a millstone around someone's neck and throw them into the sea. Like, here's what God's going to do. No, Jesus is simply trying to show you the heightened importance of those for whom you don't find important. That God doesn't view people the way we view people. So, if you cause one of those little ones to stumble, you trip their faith. He goes, it would be better that you had never even crossed their path than to cross it and hurt it. This gives me a very loud trumpet towards the importance of other people. (laughs) It causes me to say, don't overlook someone and, and be careful what you say and be careful what you do because what you say and what you do might have an effect on someone's faith. I know we think we're doing God's work when we preach and teach turn or burn. But I fear that often what we're doing is putting a mask on God that scowls at people. And it trips our confidence in a loving Father. And I think it would be better off if we weren't preaching at all or teaching at all than to be preaching and teaching a God who has retributive anger. I leave it to God. I am not qualified to be the judge of it, but I don't want to cause any one of you to stumble in the faith because I create a God so distant He's too hard for you to find or so demanding that He's too hard for you to live up to. And some might counter and go, well, don't create a God so soft He overlooks sin. I don't know how you can preach the finished work of Christ 
and the severity of the cross and the resurrection and ever use the phrase soft and sin in the same sentence again. I don't think we're putting a lot of thought into what we're actually saying about the cross. Tomorrow, we'll tell you about the sermon coming up on Sunday. We'll keep going because there's, there's, here comes that cut, cut off your hand, cut off your foot, pluck out your eye passage. We're going to get into some stuff about literalism, as you can imagine, over the course of this next weekend. We'll see you then. God bless.